Greetings and felicitations. Welcome to another episode of the Chairland Chronicles. I'm not dead yet. I'm your host, Ben Hur, and we are coming to you once again from the deep, dark bowels of Dialysis Central. That being my den uh, on this Saturday night. Uh, it's been a strange day. The uh, coronavirus stimulus bill passed. And it's still very controversial. Uh, Supposedly the checks will be out by the second week of April. April the 6th, I believe. It's relief that's going to help. But uh, some think of of it as a little too little too late. And others, uh, it's not going to be enough. Um, We're still having shortages, uh, as I read on my Facebook, social media... We're still short of toilet paper. Uh, there are lines for eggs. Uh, the basics are still kind of out. Sugar, flour. Uh, so, yeah, everybody's hurting right now. A lot of people are out of work because their businesses were forced to close for social distancing. Uh, one day, the survivors will look back on this time and scratch their heads what were we thinking well I don't know it's uh, hard to say I mean you know I had nothing to do with this I didn't create the virus I really don't know if it was man made or if it was nature made it's uh it just depends on what conspiracy theory you decide to subscribe to I don't know I uh There's the one where this is just something that came out of nature once again. Uh, Animals rooting in their own filth produced something that that stayed strictly in the animal world, but somehow made a tragic jump to humans, and that's how the virus began. Uh, They still don't even know where H1N1 came from. They know it was the bird flu. This is the bat flu. Uh, We've had the swine flu. I don't know what's next, monkey flu, and now they're calling this a Chinese flu. Uh, so, people will, historic history will look back and wonder what we were thinking. And you know what, it's like I said in my last podcast, these are the things, I think these are the thoughts that people had during the Black Plague. You know, you're sitting in your hut, no electricity, no running water, wondering when your time was going to come because your neighbors a couple of miles up the road all died except for a couple of kids and who was going to take care of them but you were worried about who was going to take care of you which is what's going on here uh, these are almost dark times and you know what here's the thing when I read my social media when I read mostly my Facebook I see people trying to poke fun at this trying to, to take the put their best foot forward yes but I can also see the fear between the lines. And I think the fear is because they know that death is tugging at their shoulder. It doesn't bother me all that much because of my the fact that I've been on dialysis for two years. I've, been, I've wrestled with that fact that I'm going to die daily. I mean, we all do, but most normal people, and being normal is you're healthy and not nothing wrong with you. But for the rest of us, the people with di- who are on dialysis, the people on who have COPD, who have cancer, who are being treated for cancer, 
We live with the thought of death every minute of every day. And that's a no-shitter, so to speak. Because uh, when, you're, when you're normal, you don't think about these things. You don't think about dying until it actually happens. And nine times out of ten, it's going to happen so quickly, you're not going to know it happened. So, yeah, I can see it. I can see it in your writing, in the stuff you're writing. Now, there are people out there that are writing uh, with a lot of bravado, you know, laying blame at the feet of the government and, and whatnot, and making, poking uh, political humor at uh, the religion and whatnot. I think they're the ones that are most afraid. The rest of us, not so much. Me, well, you know, I've been on dialysis two years. My first my first week of dialysis, I did the why me thing, you know. Oh, my, why me, Lord? Well, no, there was, there was really no why me because I brought this on myself. And as I look back at my life, I, I know where the mistakes were made. Now, can I correct them? No, it's too late. I can't go back, you know. Um... So, this is this is my life now, and it bothers me that I'm in a high risk group. I mean, every time I go to clinic, I listen to what goes on around me. Not so much looking because I can hear what these people do, and by these people I mean my chairmates, the other people that are in the chairs hooked up to the machines. And I listen for the random cough, and I hear a cough, and then I listen very closely. Do I hear it again? And is it a clear cough? Is it a heavy cough? Is it a wet cough? And then I cough. Because in the process of trying to strain my ears to listen, I tried to swallow, and my saliva went down the wrong pipe. So now I'm coughing and gagging, and guess what? They're looking at me. Because we don't know. One of us gets sick, and a lot of us are dead. Now, since I started dialysis two years ago, I started at the clinic at Rosa Verde Tower, which was uterus renal, and they closed that one down, and we all moved two blocks away to San Saba, which is in their little medical complex uh, with uh, uh, vascular specialists and uh, U.S. renal, and uh, we're, at the, we're on the first floor. We're the dialysis center. So when we came here, in the time that, in the two years that I've been here, I've known eight people that have died. Eight people. I didn't know them well. I knew their, I knew them well enough to know their names. And I remember their faces. There are about six or seven others that I've never seen again. Because when we scattered, when we, when we left Rosa Verde, we were given an option to come to San Saba or to go to a different clinic. Uh, this was no, this was equidistant for me. And I didn't want to go to the, the renal clinic on the south side on Pleasanton Road. I just... And now I'm having second thoughts that maybe I should have. Uh, I can transfer it, so just I just haven't. Uh, you know, they're all pretty much the same, so it's not really going to change things very much. And besides, since we have a new facilities administrator, uh, they've made things a little bit better. Uh, you know, we've gotten rid of some some of the people that were causing some of the problems. There's a couple more that we can need to get rid of, but uh, uh, we'll work on that. So anyway, getting back to the cough, I listen for the cough, and I wonder, and uh, and I, I worry about these people because we're all in the same boat. Um, 
there's this one guy, Alvarado, that hasn't been to the clinic in over whew, six months, and it's because I found out that he ended up developing cancer, and so he just made a decision to die at home. That was his decision, and it was a very rapid one. Where do you want to die? Do you want to die in the clinic, or do you want to die at home? He decided he wanted to die at home. And that was his choice, and I respect it. Because that time may come for me, and I have to make a decision. And it still bothers my mom when I made the decision without consulting anyone. My doc, my podiatrist told me that my big toe needed to come off. So I went to the hospital the day like she told me, and I told the people at the hospital what was going to happen. They looked at my charts and said, yeah, we'll get ready to take it off. And we had, I already signed the release form. We were going to schedule the surgery for that morning, right after dialysis. Uh, another podiatrist came in to see me just to do the prep before surgery. And he looked at my toe, and he told me, I don't think you need surgery. I think we can beat this with antibiotics. And sometimes when people read these uh, MRI uh, films, they can f create false positives. And he goes, I think that's what happened here. I'm going to go review the chart, and I'm gonna, I'll am gonna come back and tell you. Sure enough, that next morning, he said, I looked at your chart, at your MRI, and I think this was a false positive. I think we can beat this. Sure enough, two weeks of intensive antibiotics uh, by mouth, and uh, the toe healed. So sometimes we make very rash decisions. My mom thought it was a rash decision that I just said, yeah, let's just take it off. But once I had a professional's opinion that this could, this could be saved, I switched, and I'm glad I made that decision that I did. But it's a decision nonetheless that has to be made, and it's something you got to live with. And that's it for this uh, segment, and uh, we'll be right back. And we are back. You're listening to the Chairland Chronicles. I'm not dead yet. This is Ben Hur, and we are back again. Uh, today is Sunday. It's Sunday night, uh, September the 29th, and I am uh, 36 hours away from my surgical procedure to have my gallbladder removed. I'm a little nervous about it ever since. Uh, I got the go-ahead from both the surgeon, Dr. Abuabara, and the hospital, Downtown Baptist, that the surgery was still on. I've been filled with a lot of trepidation. I've uh, been very nervous, a little agitated, and uh, my gallbladder's been acting up accordingly because of that. It's been causing me trouble, distress over the past couple of days. Uh, doesn't really hurt very much, but it's kicking me in the side, letting me know that it's still going to be my uh, the thorn in my side, literally, so to speak. It is a thorn in my side. So the procedure occurs on Tuesday, the 31st, and I have to be at the hospital at 5.30 in the morning uh, to do the preliminary procedures make my first payment. I'm going to try to do that tomorrow. But uh, then they'll take me upstairs to prep me. And then I'll sit in the holding room until the surgeon arrives and they're ready for me. And then they're going to take me. Now, I've never had this procedure done. 
and the surgeon told me that more than likely it's going to start out as laparoscopy where they do the three incisions around the gallbladder insert the camera and the instruments inside to remove it the surgeon did say that in the event they're going to look at it first to see how it looks because this is where excuse me I'm, I'm yawning this is where the problem of adhesion comes into play if the gallbladder is very uh, is adhesing to uh, the other organs I guess that would be my liver and it's going to be a problem that they have to remove the the um, the cameras and they have to go in the old-fashioned way and actually cut me open to get a better look at what they're dealing with. He's confident that it's not going to be like that. I'm confident that it's not going to be like that. And um, the procedure will go as, pl as planned. But once again, it's uh, it's a surgery. It's a procedure, yes, but they're gonna, they're gonna, and I'm pretty sure it involves anesthesia. And whenever that happens, anything goes. It's anybody's guess that it can go smoothly and it can go horribly wrong. And I may not be on this earth very much longer. That's the, the henceforth. That's why I'm, I'm feeling a little trepidation. So that's gonna happen on Tuesday. Hmm. So if uh, you don't hear from me again, it was nice knowing you. If I if I did know you, yeah, I know. I'm trying not to. I'm trying to be positive, but you can't help it. You're going under the knife, and uh, you're gonna put your life in somebody else's hands. Although I believe this doctor is a very competent surgeon. He's been cutting people for 21 years, and uh, from my initial meeting with him, he's he knows he seems to know his shtick. So. Man, I don't know why I'm young. I don't know why. Well, I know why. I had turkey for. I had real. I had a really good turkey. We, we bought a turkey, not a whole turkey. It was a turkey breast, from Sam's. And it was already cooked. All you had to do was warm it up in the oven. So, we made some mashed potatoes and some corn, some biscuits, and ooh, that is good turkey because I got the sleepies. And I just hope I can sleep well tonight because, like I said, this gallbladder's been bothering me and I haven't been sleeping well the past few days. It keeps me up at night. So if everything goes well on Tuesday, I do hope to come home and go to sleep. Uh, they, they said that if everything goes well, I'll be done. They'll let me out of the hospital probably 1, 2 in the afternoon, which isn't bad. And uh, I go home and I just rest. Because next morning, 4 o'clock in the morning, i got to get up to go to dialysis. They talked about maybe keeping me over one night to dialysize me in the hospital, but uh, I don't think uh, they're going to try to do that. I think they're going to try to get me out. Because, once again, the whole coronavirus scare, they want people in and out of the hospital as quickly as they can to to minimize the risk of, of picking the disease up or anything up in the hospital because hospitals are notorious for you to pick up bugs, believe it or not. As clean as a hospital is, uh, when I was at University Hospital a few years back when I had my, uh, my colon re reconnected, 
Uh, about three weeks later, I was back in the hospital because I had what was called C. diff, which is a bacteria in the colon that causes explosive diarrhea. And so I had it. I had to go back in the hospital for almost a week just to put me on antibiotics to get it to stop. And then when I got home, they put me on an extra two weeks of antibiotics, so... Excuse me. I was taking antibiotics out the wazoo, and uh, eventually it stopped. But C. diff, if you ever had it, it's not a good thing to have. It's just uh, it's uh, more annoying than anything else because you're just going to spend much of your time in the bathroom. So, with that, with that said and done, this is the beginning of my week, and. Hopefully, if everything goes well, uh, the month of April should be a breeze. I don't have; I only have two doctor's appointments: one to see my podiatrist, and then the other one to see my uh, vascular surgeon to make sure my blood's still pumping through my all my extremities, my legs, and whatnot. So, should be rather uneventful. But then again, you never know, because we're still dealing with the coronavirus. We still have shortages in San Antonio. I heard that there were people... There's an egg company called Porter Eggs. They supply eggs to almost everybody in the city. Uh, you have to go... There was a there was a line, supposedly 1,500 people long, just to buy eggs. People were lining up at 3 o'clock in the morning to buy eggs. And something else I wanted to chat about really, really quick. They they When they started closing all the restaurants... And laying off all the employees, all the the, the wait staff and whatnot. Uh, a lot of the restaurants started doing something which I thought was a little screwy. And they're doing it now. They're selling their stock off. And by stock, I mean their, their foodstuffs. Uh, three of the, 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 the restaurants that were, were what people have been targeting for, you know, that they're doing wrong is one of them is the biggest restaurant in San Antonio, which is Mitera, which is probably the biggest tourist trap in in San Antonio. I think it's also the biggest uh, waste of time for anybody. Real Mexicans don't eat food at Mitera. Mitera is solely for politicians and uh, tourists and the elite because they think, oh my God. This is great Mexican food. I know whether you can get better Mexican food at other joints that are much more Mexican than uh, Mi Tierra. So anyway, these these restaurants are selling their foodstuffs, and they're selling them at a, at a record amount of profit. Two dozen eggs for $45 is what I... No, no, no. It was 10 dozen eggs for $45. That's a little steep. 20 tortillas for $4. I, can, I know a place on, this, on the west side where I can get what is it, 12, 12, 36, 48 tortillas, flour tortillas for $11. And actually that's not true, that's if I include the corn. If it's just a flour tortillas, it's $9. So these guys are not just gouging, the, they're gouging the public bad. Even after the mayor said, you know, don't be ripping people off. So yeah, shame on you guys. Mi tierra, Don Pedro's yeah, and Ninchas.
uh, don't do that to the people. You know what? And there was this lady that was complaining. And yeah, what you should be doing is giving that food to your employees because they just passed the stimulus package. So it's going to be still a couple of weeks before they get any money. So you should have divvied up what you had and gave them the food and let them go or, and home and make their own tortillas and make their own eggs. See, some people just, you know, they think they're doing a favor, but they're not. So, and that's the end of this segment here. I'm already over my 10-minute limit, but uh, stick around. We'll be right back. Well, we're back. Um, You're listening to the Chairland Chronicles. I am your host, Ben Hur. And today is Monday, March the 30th. And right now I'm under... 10 hours before my surgery, T minus 10 hours and counting. Uh, I have to report to the hospital tomorrow morning at 5.30 a.m. And I have to tell you now, (coughs) no, that's not COVID. I am a little trepidatious. (coughs) I'm feeling a little nervous. I'm, I'm a, I am very much worried. Simply because. Yeah, maybe you've had your gallbladder removed. And it's a simple in and out procedure. But nothing's easy for a man in my shoes. Being diabetic on dialysis. What can be routine or sublime can be very devastating. So, I have to put my faith in God. And... Uh, pray that everything will come out fine, that they can just do the laparoscopic surgery with the three little incisions and the camera and all that stuff. If not, then they got to put the big six inch incision to open me up to see what's going on in there. So, yeah, I am worried about that. It's been a busy week. I'm really tired. I don't know why. Maybe it's just I've been worrying all about this, and it's now starting to catch up to me. I had uh, dialysis this morning, and I had to go and get stuff for the surgery afterwards. So when I got home, I try. I had a really bad headache, so I tried to lie down and let it pass, and it it didn't go away. I didn't even sleep. Hence, that's why I'm really tired, and I didn't sleep very well last night either. And I'm hoping that I can get some sort of sleep tonight. Actually, honestly, what would bother me last night was just, just really uh, a series of bad dreams. Not so much bad dreams, they're just very disturbing dreams. A lot of imagery. And uh, what it usually involves is me, and I'm in my house where I grew up. And in one dream, the entire foundation's been dug up. In another one, like last night... Uh, the house is just falling apart, and there was nothing I could do about it. I'm, I'm trying to figure out what can I do to fix this, and it was just overwhelming. And then I think I realized today what the dream is telling me, that the house is me. I'm the one falling apart slowly, and I can't fix it. So... It's just one of those things that eats away at you during the day. Doesn't let you sleep. Doesn't let you rest. 
Oh, excuse me. Ooh, I, my my gallbladder is really hurting right now. When I take a deep breath, oh, so hopefully tomorrow it gets removed and uh, I can move on. So what I'm actually saying is that if for some reason this goes awry and I don't walk out of there tomorrow, it was nice knowing each and every one of you. And uh, for every person that I've ever encountered in my life, you've had an impact on it. I know this much is true. Everybody has had an impact in my life. And I hope for some, in some strange way, I take a little bit of you and keep it with me and make it work. So, I go under the knife tomorrow, get to the hospital at 5.30 in the morning. I got to do the whole COVID screening, the whole nine yards. Then I'll go to admitting. They'll get me hooked up and get me ready for surgery. They called me today that uh, the hospital says this is still going to happen. The surgeon called me and said we're still a go. So, tomorrow is a go. I will get up at 4. I will shower with a prescribed soap. It's called Hibby Cleanse. It almost sounds like a rap song. A hip, a hop, a hippie to the hippie to hip, hip. Anyway, you get, the, you get the gist. So, in my search for Hibby Cleanse, and, you know, the funny thing is, the hospital springs this on me at the last minute, the day before the surgery. And they go, oh, you can get it in any pharmacy. So I call my CVS pharmacy. They're out. I call another CVS pharmacy at Target in the city base. They're out. I call Walgreens on Goliad Road. They're out. So I call Walmart in city base, and I'm talking to the pharmacy tech. And she goes, Hippie Cleanse? Yeah, hold on, let me go check. So she goes to the stock, and she finds, she goes, I have two bottles left. And I said, hold them for me, please. And so when I got to Walmart to buy the, the soap, she said that the reason it's all gone is because much like the toilet paper that toilet paper that people are hoarding, the eggs, flour, and uh, sugar, people are hoarding the hippie cleanse because they believe that that soap is going to disinfect their bodies to prevent them from getting COVID. You know, you can just, you know, here's the thing. What most people don't understand, your average bar of soap, Dove, Lifebuoy, uh, Irish Spring, Safeguard. I don't even know they make, if they make Safeguard anymore. Lava, that I do know they still make. All soaps are antibacterial. So almost any soap that you wash your hands with will remove any kind of cooties you might have on you. So anyway, these idiots are all out buying up all the hippie cleanse because they think that's going to keep them COVID-free. You know... That's pretty much the same idea that at my clinic they think you need to use keep using the same mask over and over. Well, I busted my mask this morning, and uh, fortunately I had a backup. So anyway, I got the hippie cleanse. I'll be taking a shower with that in the morning uh, to antibacterialize myself. And then uh, my brother-in-law is going to come pick me up and take me to the hospital because... Uh, they told me this morning when they called that I can't bring anybody with me. 
they were not allowing anybody in the hospital that should not be there. So that means if you're going to be a, an inpatient or an outpatient, they'll let you in, but you can't bring a, a guest to hold your, your clothes or your personal belongings. So you're going to have to trust the hospital. And uh, I guess, you know, I guess I'm okay with that. It is what it is. This is the world that we live in now. We are uh, we are living in a COVID-19 world, and I guess we're all COVID-19 girls. So, if I don't see you ever again, I might come and uh, talk to you in your dreams. But if I do make it through this, I'll definitely see you again, and we'll smile, and we'll have a laugh, and uh, see where the rest of this life takes us. So, if there is another segment recorded by me tomorrow, then you know everything was a success, because I will, if everything goes well, I will get out of the hospital probably about 2 o'clock, they'll let me go home. And then I can come home and rest because tomorrow morning I got to get up at 4 o'clock again to go to dialysis. So, ooh, man, fun on the bun. So, uh, ooh, gunshots. Wonderful. Once again, this is where we live in, folks. So, uh, well, we're almost up against a 10 minute mark. And uh, I am going to go lie down, say a prayer, and try to go to sleep. You guys do the same. Get your rest, wash your hands. Don't forget that everybody loves everybody out there. I know we can't talk to each other, we can't hang out, we can't socialize. But this will pass. You know, who's to say? Uh, so, March 31st, the cutting starts. Dr. Abuabara is my surgeon. And we will rock and roll the uh, operating theater tomorrow. And, uh, no, I'm not crying. I got, I'm, I'm sniffling. I saw all this damn pollen in the air. It really got me all messed up. Okay, so, take care. Have a great day. Live, laugh, and love, and uh, I will see you when I see you. And we'll be right back. Hello, and we are back. Today I am doing this segment of my podcast, The Chairland Chronicles, I'm Not Dead Yet, from my hospital room. I had surgery today. I had a very troublesome gallbladder removed. And part of my voice, that's why it sounds like that. I had a ventilator tube down my throat for two hours. So the surgery went well. The bladder came out all too eagerly. It was ready to come out. It needed to come out. So I'm sitting here a little tired, very sore, but I don't have the pain inside that I did before. This pain is good pain. It's pain from the, the incisions that they made. I did, they did it laparoscopically. They didn't have to do it the old-fashioned way where they slipped me down the middle. And uh, they did it with robots, cameras, and damn good doctors and nurses. 
Um, what is this world coming to? I say good doctors and nurses because these people are here every day, every shift, dealing with us, the ill and the infirm, and those with the corona, with the COVID. I did my COVID screening this morning when I came into the hospital at 5.30 in the morning, and um, the rest went by quickly with the grace of God and the good people that he made doctors and nurses. So I will be here through the night at the surgeon's recommendation simply because uh, they did put fluid back in me and they're going to want to dialysize me. And at this point, it's already almost 5 o'clock, so I don't think they're going to dialysize me now. It'll probably happen in the morning just to keep with my schedule. And I should be out of the hospital by tomorrow afternoon, early afternoon. And uh, then continue on. A real quick side note that I want to talk about how shitty people are being during this virus. I just saw a video post from my friend Mary, Mary Grace. I'm sorry you had to pay six bucks for that gallon of milk. That it was really a shitty thing they did to you because you got four kids and your kids drink milk. I know that because I was a kid and I drank a lot of milk. That's why I'm a big kid. Um, if any of you feel that you're being gouged for any reason with fuel, food, or medicine, you call the state attorney general's office and you complain about that business. The attorney general's office will investigate that business and find, and find them penalties and finds out the wazoo. Uh, if any of you heard of the story about the man on uh, that ran a convenience store on the West Mayfield and uh, Zarzamora, he was charging uh, $3.40 for a dozen eggs. And the people paid it. And many of them were upset, and they complained to KSAT 12, the defenders, whoever that would listen to him. And the guy is suffering now. He had to close his business. I don't know if that was at the behest of the state attorney general or just from peer pressure and the fact that everybody stopped going to his store and buying his products. They pay for this just the way they made you pay. And you shouldn't have to go through that. So Mary, you have my apologies. I'm so sorry, honey, that you had to go through that. But make the report, file the report, call the damn attorney general's office and complain. That's the only way anything's going to get done, and that's the only way we're going to prevent stuff like this happening in the future. Because it's going on out there. The other thing that, that upsets me about this is those, the restaurants. At first, they were being hailed as, as, as heroes of the community, and they're turning out to be the dogs of war. Because they're charging, I saw a thing, uh, one of the local Mexican restaurants, I won't mention it, saying, oh, what the hell, Don Pedro's, was selling... 10 dozen eggs for $40. That's ridiculous. Mijera, the world's, the city's most popular restaurant for the tourists and politicians, were selling the damn commercial toilet paper that you put in the commercial bins that they have in their restrooms. And guess what? Those toilet, those toilet paper rolls are like almost a foot in diameter. You can't hold it. 
you need one of those commercial dispensers to dispense it. What were they thinking? They're not heroes of the community. They're the dogs of war. These are the people whose business should suffer the most. If anything, what they should have done, and I agree with this woman who I saw on Facebook, they should have divvied up the, the foodstuffs that they had and given it to the employees, the waiters and the waitresses and the cooks who don't have any money right now because they, they were no customers to give them tips, which is what they live on. I know about tipping. I never used to tip because I didn't understand how it worked until I started working at the comedy club. All those girls, all those people that you see in the restaurants live off your tips. On the average, they only make two thirteen an hour and because that's a state mandate. And if it's a state mandate, then the employer is going to do what he can to get away with as little as he has to, which is pay the minimum, which is two thirteen an hour. So they would live off their tips. They would pay their rent off their tips. They would buy food off their tips. They would feed and clothe their kids off their tips for their service. Now, I agree. If they provided you with shitty service, you don't give them anything. But if they went, you think, above and beyond the call of duty, by God, give them 20%. Give them half the bill in a tip. I never started tipping until I, I started working at the club and seeing this. Because there, there are people, too, now, on the, on the flip side of that, to the waiters and the waitresses, I got a little advice. Spend your money wisely. Save your money. And uh, most of all, don't be spending your money on weed and booze. Because that's why, that's the one thing I, dis I dislike seeing about the waitresses, some of the waitresses that I know. They would, make a they would have a $200 night, and the next day they'd be complaining that they were broke. Because they went and spent it all on, on drugs, on weed, on booze. Yeah, granted, some of them spend it on their kids, but a lot of it went to drugs. I understand you want to self-recreate. That's cool. I don't have a problem with that. But first things first. So everybody, everybody has a stake in this. And if we don't take the proper action, we're all going to lose. We're all going to get sick and we're all going to die. If those first responders and the doctors and the nurses get this virus and die, Guess who's going to take care of you? I am. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be the one sticking you with needles. I'm going to be the one wiping your ass. So these people do it because this is their calling. They wanted to do this. They wanted to serve humanity. Let them. And I apologize. Some of this stuff gets me really emotional because I get it. It makes me sad and it makes me angry at the same time. So, it's going on 5 o'clock. And uh, I'm out of, I'm out of the, the woods, so to speak. And this is why I thank God for the people that choose medicine as a calling. Because it's not only a calling... It's a calling from God. They do this because God told them to do this. Just like you guys that are comedians or think you're comedians, you do this because you, God gave you a gift to make people laugh, to make them forget about their troubles, that they're sick or they're broke. Do good with it. 
Don't do bad. Do good with it. Fuck, I sound like my dad now. Uh, well, I guess I'm, I'm old, so I, I guess I've earned it. But do good with what you do. If you're a carpenter, be the best damn carpenter. Jesus was a carpenter. If you're a plumber, be the best damn plumber. Don't rip the people off. Give them an honest honest work for honest honest charges. I once got charged $400 just to put a, a, a faucet in my tub. And then another guy came along and replaced all of our water lines for $1,000. He had a heart. He could have been a jerk and said, no, I want five grand like the others that we had called. But no, he saw our plight. He saw that we were hurting. And he took pity on us and gave us a break. You know, so whatever it is you do in life, do it your best. And I know sometimes work's going to cause you to want to bitch about this and that. And that's just normal. That's just fair. Do it. Bitch about it. If it makes you feel better, and it will make you feel better. But do the best damn job that you can. I failed on that mark many, many times. Until I got it. And I did my best. And it still got me fired. Ha <laughs> uh, I guess I'm still a comic at heart too. Jay Lafar, Big Al Gonzalez, and even to the young and up and coming Drew Blues. Be funny. <clears throat> if you're a young comic and you hear this, wondering what you should talk about, let me tell you something. If you're 21, 24, 25, you have very little life experience. Get out there and get some life experience. That's how you become funny because you learn things that you can dwell, that you can pull off of. You gain experience because you're going to do stupid shit like I did stupid shit when I was in the military. And you can laugh about it because guess what? You're still alive to laugh about it. Now, I've gone way over on this post, but uh, I don't care. I'm on a roll. So give me my space. Uh, if you're a wait waiter, leave your personal problems at the door when you get to work and put the biggest smile on your face that you can. And I guarantee you, you will get bigger tips. Because we know, as we eat your food and drink your water or soda, that we are paying that. We are paying for it. And we know that you have a shitty job. But if you show us that you really love your job, you enjoy serving other people and serving us, well, goddammit, I'm going to give you a big fucking tip. That's just my way now. And speaking of ways, you have to change your ways, folks. You're all getting older, and things are going to happen to your body. You may think you're young. I know a man, friend of mine, good friend of mine, had three heart attacks. And he's still making motherfuckers laugh. And he's funny. And one day when he's out there, you should pay to go see him. That's the least you could do. I know another guy, Jay LaFar. I love Eugene. Haha, that was funny. I said I love Eugene, but I meant Eugene. But I love you, Jay. 
you're my good friend. And even at my worst, you made me see a lot of things that I never did before. Chris Duell, the man that shaped who I was or who I was going to become. My cohort on the radio. I love you too, brother. And I think about you all the time. He's not dead. He's still around. But uh, I reflect a lot on my life and people and things I've done. Yeah, I'm pouring my heart out. And if you've gone this far, stick with me. My parents tried, still try their hardest. And I love them for that. They've gotten older, they have their faults, and they have their issues, and I try to help them with those. But thank you. My sister, Suzanne, I love you to pieces. And I hope sometime soon that you'll see it. I know you're going through a lot too. And I forget. And then I remember. And I cut you some slack. Sometimes you got to cut the rest of us some slack. See, the thing that I've learned is we don't all live in each other's heads. We don't all walk in each other's shoes. So we don't know everything about the person that you think you do. When I talk to my mom in the afternoons, I ask her questions because I didn't know what she was like as a kid. And there were things I didn't know what she was like when she was growing up. I know her as mom. And sometimes I'm angry at her because she's mom. But I love her just the same. When all this is over, if I see you, I'm going to hug each and every one of you. Because life is too short. And it's worth living. Love your parents, love your kids, love your siblings, love your husband, love your wife, love your girlfriend. I'm still in love. I just can't show it. And I guess that's the end of that. Do better, people. Let's do better as a society, as a race. My God, we're all human beings. If you're black, be black, but you don't have to be black. If you're Mexican, be Mexican, but you don't have to be Mexican. Just be a fucking human being. That's all you got to be is a human being. Get up and do good for others and yourself. And if this helps, well then, hell, I did my job. Look hard in that mirror and ask yourself, am I the person that I always wanted to be? And if not, what 
do I have to do to be that person? It can be done. It's achievable. It's a goal. And if you set a goal, you can achieve it. I don't think I'll ever be on a big stage again making hundreds of people laugh. And you know what? That's okay. If I make my mom laugh, I'm happy. If I make my sister and my brother-in-law laugh, I'm happy. Hell, sometimes I make myself laugh. Well, I've gone two, I've almost done two segments on one breath and a half a glass of water. Uh, you take care and you live your life as best as you can. You laugh. Oh, no, it's live, laugh, live, laugh at yourself, especially yourself. Laugh at what's funny. As Sergio Aragonas used to say, there's humor in a jugular vein. I never understood that from reading Mad Magazine until now. When you can uh, laugh at yourself, you've achieved a lot. And then, of course, love. Love your brother, love your sister, love your fellow man. Love your exes. Love your current. And I guarantee you, you will be loving your future. Well, that's it for this segment. I will return. And we are back. Hello and welcome to the Cheerland Chronicles. I'm not dead yet. Okay, I feel pretty good. I got out of the hospital today. My gallbladder's out. A lot of the pain is gone. Now I just have the soreness from where they cut me and put the cameras and the whatever it is they sucked my gallbladder out with. The vacuum, I don't know. Met with a surgeon, all's cool. I'm going to see him in about a week. And uh, now, unfortunately, the goal is real again to stay out of the hospital for at least one year. So I got to manage to beat the COVID. And keep myself healthy in the process and stay one year out of the hospital. So, starting today, I gotta make it to the next April the 1st, April Fool's Day. That would be a good joke. Haha, <laughs> okay. Once again, it's a double goal. So, we'll see how this goes. But speaking of the hospital stay, that's something I'm gonna go over because everybody, at some point in their life, in your life, will end up in the hospital. Things give out, things wear out, things just give up. Like in my case, my colon gave up on me, my kidneys gave up on me, and my gallbladder gave up on me. But there are things that you can do to make your stay at the hospital a little bit more pleasant. Hospitals are not good places to be. Let me put it to you this way. They get the job done. They do what has to be done. And then once you're done, you're out of the hospital. Now you can your hospital can stay can last from two days to two to three weeks. It just depends on what you're having done. So I say make yourself a hospital preparedness kit. 
sort of like a bug out bag, but for the hospital. And these are the things you should have with you if you know you're going to the hospital for an extended stay. You should have these things with you because the hospital tries to give you what they can, but they give you really cheap crap. Number one, a flashlight. Because when you go to sleep, you want to, you're going to tend to turn all the lights off. And sometimes you need to see where you're going if you get up in the middle of the night to go to the restroom or whatever. It always helps to have a flashlight handy. Because on the, the, the uh, what do they call it? The, uh, oh, the thermometer thingy to, to check your thermostat. There we go. Those numbers are pretty small. Also, the light switch, you know, to read the things in the room. So you don't have to get up out of the bed. Uh, number two, uh, take your toothbrush, because that's your favorite. Take your toothpaste, because that's also your favorite. And by all means, take uh, toothpicks. And I don't mean the wood ones. I mean the ones that are for, for, for flossing your teeth. Uh, also, take your medication with you, because now... Uh, the hospitals will not always give you everything that you take. Like in my case, I don't take, uh, I didn't take my uh, Vasforo that I have to eat with my meals. So I had two meals at the hospital that um, uh, just I just couldn't eat that, that medication with. So anyway, I mean, that just happens. But make sure you take your, med- your meds just to be on the safe side. And also, it also helps to take them because they're always going to ask you, what are you taking? And the question is, you try to regurgitate it from memory and you don't remember what it is you take. Uh, Let's see. What else could you take? That uh, toothbrush, toothpaste. They're going to provide you with soap and shampoo, but it's very rare that people shower there unless you're going to be there for like more than a week. And they they will require you to shower for at least every other day. Just so you don't stink the place up. Uh, you can take a blanket, but uh, that's a good way to lose a blanket. Also, take a large bag to carry all your stuff in. And when you go to take the stuff from your room back back to the house with you, you have a place to, to fit it. Um, let's see, what else is good to take? Your phone charger. Because we all are in love with our cell phones, and... Uh, you need that. You need to keep that cell phone charged. And also in a hospital, your phone will work in your room. Your phone tends not to work when you're in the emergency room, in the operating theater. You can't take your phone anyway, or any, or when you're when you're near the uh, MRI or the CAT scan machines on that floor, your phones will not work. Why? Because CAT scans and MRIs do uh, ex. Um, Put out radio waves and magnetic waves, and that will make, that will kill a cell phone or kill your reception and your transmission uh, capabilities. Uh, I know I'm leaving something else out. Oh, also, if you're going and you know you're going to the hospital, uh, aside from an emergency, wear comfortable clothing, stuff that you can get off rather quickly because the first thing they're going to make you do is put on one of those icky robes, and. Uh, you might want to ask for two because that way you can cover your backside when you walk around in in the, in the hallways and whatnot. Because 
the day of your surgery, they will encourage you when it's all over to get up as soon as you can and start walking. Because walking, even if it's from your door, from your bed to your door, or down the hall, walking will speed up the process of getting all the uh, anesthesia out of your body. Because that anesthesia will make you will make you feel like hammered shit. So the quicker you walk, the quicker it gets out of your system. Depending on the type of anesthesia they use, uh, mine tended to last 24 hours. I was up for 24 hours. I couldn't sleep. Uh, I also couldn't go to the bathroom because it slows your in, internal organs down to the point where they almost stop. So these are all just little hints. Well, when you do go to the hospital, you know, it's good. Also, it's always good to have um, a little bag like that in the event you have to go to the hospital in an emergency situation. You can always ask a family member to go and find your little, uh, your little medical kit and take it to the hospital with you so you have those things. Uh, and take something maybe to keep yourself occupied if your phone isn't going to do it for you. You know, uh, depending on the hospital you go to, the TVs, it's not going to be all that great. Baptist Hospital, where I was, has actually increased their programming from 10 channels to about 30. Uh, so I'm pretty sure you can find something. The same thing with University. They've got, they've got a pretty good uh, TV system. So... Um, these are just little tidbits, little things that will help you when your time comes. And your time will come. Trust me. We're all human and we're all frail. So these are just some of the things. Tips from somebody that's been around the block. Learned the hard way. And... Uh, I'm not going to apologize for my last segment where I kind of lost it emotionally. I was I was very, very emotional because it just got to me, the fact that I made it. And um, just the way that I felt. Tonight, or this segment, is going to be the last one because I'm already hitting, I'm bumping over an hour. This will be the longest podcast of the three episodes that I've got out. And so, uh, I hope you've enjoyed what I've been telling you. And unfortunately, the COVID, once again, is dominating the scene. Uh, the hospitals aren't letting people in other than the patient. Because they don't want people roaming around, breathing on any, everybody else. Because they don't know who's got it. And you don't know who's got it. You, you know, you're wandering around the, the hospital. And there's a lot of sick people there. You don't know what they got. But... Uh, as long as you follow your basic instructions and some common sense, you'll be fine. Um, let's see, if I think of anything else. Oh, yeah, you might want to take one of your towels. Because the hospital does provide washcloths and towels, but they're very small towels. And if you take one of your towels, you know, you're probably better off. You feel more, the whole thing is trying to feel more comfortable in a strange place. The other reason I couldn't sleep in the uh, hospital is because it's a strange place. I can only sleep in my bed, it seems. 
uh, airplanes I can't sleep on, hospitals, obviously. I just don't like sleeping in strange places. Now, if I'm going to be in the hospital three or four days, by the second day I'm going to sleep, simply because I'm comfortable there now. I've already spent my time. And um, just make the best of it. Get healthy. Oh, yeah, the one other thing about the hospital. They tell you to get your rest. You will not rest in the hospital. You are constantly being bothered. Every two hours, the... Uh, the assistant to the nurse will come in to take your vitals, blood pressure, temperature, and uh, pulse. And then on the odd hours, the nurse will come in to detail whatever it is you, you're, you're getting prepared for or what medicines you got to take or what medicines are coming or when your meal is coming. And then you're going to get the every odd doctor popping in to say hello and go over the procedure with you. And then the person that comes to draw blood twice a day in the morning, early in the morning, like around 3 or 4 in the morning, and then in the evening, uh, just to maintain, they're just checking your blood work to just make sure you're not picking anything else up that you shouldn't have had. So, if you ever end up in the hospital, good luck and good health. Uh, most hospital staffs are very, very good at taking care of their patients. It's not in the old days where nurses just didn't give a damn. Everybody is very friendly there from the, from the doctors all the way down to the person that cleans your room. Very, very friendly. Uh, and that's a good thing for you, the patient, because it just helps you with your well-being. You feel better about yourself and more comfortable. Mm. Sorry. I'm still having trouble with uh, burping. It still hurts like hell when I burp or when I cough. Ugh. But um, I feel good. I'm tired, very tired, and I'm very sore. So when I'm done with this, I'm going to drop a tramadol and go to sleep. But you guys take care and uh, make your preparations. And I hope you never have to go to the hospital. I really don't. But at some point, we're only human and you will for whatever reason. So as I always end my posts... Live your life, laugh at everything and yourself, and love everybody even though you don't want to. You'll feel better. These are the Chairland Chronicles. I'm not dead yet. Signing off. Hello again. Uh, well, this is to wrap this episode up. And I'm going to apologize right now because this one's going to go way over an hour. And my whole intention was to keep it at 50 minutes to an hour. So uh, I apologize if it's too long. I don't think it's boring. Uh, you're going to get a whole lot of me that you probably didn't expect. Uh, today is Thursday, April the 2nd. I am enjoying the day, recovering from my surgery. I got to sleep last night, and I woke up feeling a little bit more refreshed. My head was clearer. Still a little bit of pain, but it's going away. And uh, I already have my follow-up appointment with my doctor, with the surgeon, and uh, that's next week. And uh, so far, it all looks good. I don't feel bad. I feel pretty good. I don't hurt anymore. For four months, everything inside me, from my chest to my stomach, hurt. And it was because the bladder was so swollen that it was compressing my liver 
and my spleen and all the other organs. Uh, so I feel pretty good. I feel much better than I did before. But like I said, I've already gone over an hour. I apologize and keep listening to the Chairland Chronicles. I love you all so dearly, each and every one of you that listens to this. Share this podcast with your friends. If you don't know somebody that's sick, let them listen to this. Maybe I can give them a little tip that might help them get through whatever it is they're dealing with. If you have any ideas, if you have any questions, if you have any complaints or comments, if you've gotten my number, text me, email me at crackglass60 at yahoo. That's all smallercase letters. And uh, that's crackglass, C-R-A-C-K-E-D-G-L-A-S-S, 60 at yahoo. And I will do my best to get back to you, or I might mention you on the uh, on my next show. Okay, you take care, live, laugh, love, and I will catch you on the flip side. These are the Chairland Chronicles. I'm not dead yet. Signing off.